I mean, these ESPY folks, they wanted me to say all this stuff to mock athletes and coaches. I said, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. And here are a few of the jokes that I hated the most. <laughs> because I would never say these, ever, like this one. Last year's L.A. Rams are the subject of the critically acclaimed docu-series All or Nothing. Spoiler, it's nothing. <laughs> Come on. Rams' new coach, Sean McVay, is here. Sean, can anybody wanted me to say that in Los Angeles of all places? I'm not doing that. <laughs> what a terrible year for the Knicks. They had to escort a former legend out of the building for acting like a crazy person. Then there was that whole thing with Charles Oakley. <laughs> Phil Jackson's Knicks are the most embarrassing thing to happen in New York sports. And that includes the time Mark Sanchez ran full steam up his teammate's anus and fumbled a football. Hour number two here on the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. Ashish Sharma, Dave Pollard, and Mark Lazelle taking you up till 2 p.m. this afternoon. Uh, I, I know you didn't watch the ESPYs this no, past week, Mark. Not a Mark. chance. Uh, Dave, you didn't either, right? I did not. There was nothing else <laughs> on after the All-Star game the night before, so I was watching it. And Pete Manning Summer killed it. Summer League Basketball was on, all right? Summer League Basketball, fine. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Lonzo Ball's killing it, by the way. He is. Uh, but... Hey, by the way, before we get to the ESPYs, uh, Rajon Rondo, apparently one-year deal with the Pelicans. Just want to get that out there. I'll nice that to addition. My update as yep. well. Back with Boogie Cousins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the ESPYs were actually really good with Peyton Manning. I mean, he killed it. He was hilarious. Yeah. I think he's funny. I mean, I don't think he's uh, like Bill Burr or Louis C.K. No, or he's not Bill like Burr. That, There's only one Bill Burr. There's only one Louis C.K. I yeah, mean, he's not a comedian. Probably like 500 other comedians that are funnier than Peyton Manning. But, I mean, he's, uh, he's funny. You know, yeah. he's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I like how he's zingers there. I, I like how nonchalantly. Those jokes were good, yeah. but I doubt he wrote them. I, exactly. Oh, of course he didn't write them. No. And, and usually whoever hosts usually writes their right, right. own jokes. The delivery is solid for a guy who's, you know, a pro quarterback. Yeah. Really, this isn't his thing, but it could be. He was great on SNL uh, the couple times sure. he was on yeah. it. So Papa John's commercials. Yeah, we've seen Manning Papa with John's it. John's commercials. He's got a good enough personality to be able to pull this stuff off. So. Well, we also have some other cuts of some things that he said. Uh, why don't we go ahead and roll some of those? And our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. <laughs> now, if you looked <laughs> at that, funny. if you looked at funny. that, the camera cut to Kevin Durant, and he—I mean, obviously he was in on the joke because they do this kind of stuff at the Oscars and stuff like that. And the camera cut to him, and he was clearly not pleased. And then yeah. he was like, "Russell Westbrook, what do you think?" And then it went right to Russell Westbrook. I, it was hilarious. I still feel like with some of these, uh, Peyton Manning maybe needs a little bit of help. And our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. <laughs> That's too good. There we go. Yeah, a little Seinfeld thing there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, that he is a funny guy. It just comes out like weird when he when he says it. The delivery, like he said, it's just tough. <laughs> I, I really, think that he's actually. Critic. I think his delivery is pretty solid. Honestly, for, I agree. Again, just for a guy that doesn't do this for a living. Maybe this is what he's going to be doing. He's going to be hosting more shows and, you know, sort of doing his comedy bits up here. But again, I don't, I don't think he writes these jokes. I, no, but I could totally see him as like a late night talk show host, couldn't you? You, you know why I know he doesn't write these jokes? Because this next one was actually too good. Because I'm being forced to say it, I love that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick won their fifth Super Bowl. All right, all right, all right. Enough of that crap. Enough of that, all right? Enough of that. But you know, I really do feel for the Falcons. Because, you know, I've been there. I know how tough it is to lose the Super Bowl. But I'm telling you, I believe in the Falcons. I believe in Matt Ryan, Dan Quinn. And I know in my heart the Falcons will be back, right? The Falcons will be back. And I want the Falcons to hear that from me now, at the beginning of the show. Because I know they'll stop paying attention three-quarters of the way in. <laughs> okay, that one was good. That's a good one. That one was good. <laughs> okay. I like that it was sort of a slow burn joke. Exactly. Too. That's got all the makings of a good joke. Yeah. First of all, you you bring up a situation that people are like, oh, this could be a touchy subject. Then you sort of take them back by being like, now I believe in Matt Ryan. I believe in the Falcons. You compliment them. And then you just them. knock yeah. them right back down. Yeah. It's you, what, it's, I mean, the, the monumental failure 
of the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl 51 is something that will be talked about. We talk about how we're going to be talking about Pablo Sandoval for decades. This is going to be talked about for centuries. Did you have the John Cena cut? I don't believe we have a cut of John Cena. What did he say? No, uh, the joke was around like John Cena. He, uh, Peyton was like, now John Cena is a true athlete. Ryan Lochte, on the other hand... I forget what he said. <laughs> he said. He said something like John Cena. Yeah, I remember now. John Cena is just about as much of an athlete as Ryan Lochte is a reliable witness. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. And, and then, and and then he goes, cut to Phelps. Right, He's like, am right, I right, Phelps? Right, Phelps. <laughs> oh, it's too good. Good stuff. Yeah, no, good I, stuff I thought it was hilarious. Oh, well, I thought you didn't watch the ESPYs, Mark. No, it's, I watched the videos on Instagram. Yeah, see, yeah, that's the thing. That's what you, you got to do. You don't have to tune in You don't have to watch to it live. That's yeah. true. No, these guys were giving me uh, giving me a hard time because I was like, wow, Peyton Manning's killing it. And then Mark and Brian were like, you got, you're watching the ESPYs? Yeah. What's wrong with and, you? And then you tried changing the subject, and I go, yeah, but that doesn't matter. I was trying to get out of it. And you were like, don't try to sneak out of this. I know you're watching the ESPYs. There was nothing else on, Mark. It was pretty good, though. It was. It was. I liked the show. I mean, like, in general, the ESPYs are a joke. Okay, they are. No one gives a crap about the awards that are handed out, especially teams like the Golden State Warriors, who just got like best team, which I thought was a joke in itself. Yeah, but they just got the uh, I almost hit the Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> they just got the uh, Larry O'Brien. Larry O'Brien. They yeah. don't care about this damn stupid ESPYs trophy that they just got. So the whole thing is a joke. But like I said, what was more of a joke was that the Warriors beat the Cubs for best team. Yeah. I mean, come on, you're talking about a team that just broke a hundred and eight year curse. Right. Right? Vanquished, you know, this, this, got this monkey off their back for over a century, and you're giving it to the team that just signed Kevin Durant and then made not even an improbable run to the finals. Everyone knew it was going to be them with Cleveland. What's more popular? Them- What's more popular? That's what it comes down to. It's basketball it's over baseball. Contest. Well, I, I mean, I don't actually think that the ratings bear that out. I think baseball no, has higher ratings than basketball. But people know about basketball than they know about baseball. Well, they're well, more because over they're the moon more, about they're it. more they're more because vocal the stars fans. the stars in that sport are more marketable. Absolutely. Right. But uh I, I think Kevin Durant was a little butthurt at the end when, you know, Russell Westbrook won best male athlete as well. Oh, I mean how come on. Like the guy averaged a triple double, the first guy to do it. For in a season since Oscar Robertson. No, I'm just saying it's a bad taste in his mouth just because he doesn't want to see his former teammate. You know, th- that joke. It really was all about Russell Westbrook at the end of the night. And Kevin Durant, you know, he, he's a guy that wants to be in in the you know spotlight. And uh, he didn't get his spotlight. He was just sitting there taking bad jokes from Peyton Manning the entire night. Well, you I mean, can't handle the truth. Well, the thing is, and I'm glad you brought that up, with Kevin Durant, when it panned over to him, when Peyton Manning made that zinger where he's just like, oh, Kevin Durant wants to... Can we, do we have that cut still? The one where uh, Peyton Manning was talking about Kevin Durant joining the U.S. Uh, and I yeah. asked his team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. <laughs> <laughs> like, the thing that's funny about that <laughs> is some people thought that Kevin Durant was genuinely mad about that. Like... Look he might, at it. He might have been. No, yeah. it was clearly a a, 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 a stick. Stage? Was, yeah, yeah, well, was, well he yeah. was obviously going to be ready for the joke. Even if he wasn't told about the joke beforehand, there's a camera in he his was face playing so along. he knows that it's coming. Yeah, he was playing along. I mean, like, we see this all the time at the Oscars. I mean, you remember a couple years ago where Alec Baldwin had that thing with George Clooney where, you know, he was saying something. He's like, well, I'm glad to see all of you here at the Oscars today. Except one of you. And then he just stares at George Clooney, and then George Clooney gives it right back to him. Yeah. And people actually thought they legitimately had a beef. <laughs> no, it it's, so a, clearly it's a little staged. bit like uh, Kimmel and uh, Ex- Matt Damon. Yeah, that's another great example. Yeah. People are too stupid to see that Kevin Durant was in on the joke. Yeah, but his mom, wasn't his mom laughing? She was laughing her ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I guess like, it is. Yeah, thanks, stage. Mom. <laughs> I, I think it's, I mean, it, it's hard to, like, say, though, because Kevin Durant, you know, he just doesn't show any emotion sometimes, so you don't know if he's, like, what he's thinking, if he's, he's laughing. He's Tim or, Duncan. He yeah, doesn't he show a lot of been a little bit butthurt over it. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, but that's kind of like when you're going to any type of awards show, though, it's kind of like a semi-roast yeah. if you're sitting yeah, in the you audience. you know you're going to get roasted. You know, it's not necessarily the roast of David Ortiz. That was just ridiculous. If you watch that whole uncensored thing with Gronk and uh, Pedroia. What about Julian but, Edelman's joke on uh, Peyton Manning? Well, that was good. Yeah, I liked that. We don't have the cut of that, but Julian Edelman, when he accepted the award for best game for Super Bowl 51 on behalf of the Patriots, he said, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but Manning's kind of killing it. You know, and then he said, well, we are indoors, so right. there's that. <laughs> so I thought that was great, too. See, it's everyone is fair game in things like this. And speaking of Julian Edelman, I'm just, speaking of butthurt, too, 
I'm butthurt. Julian Edelman lost best play to Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know that play. You guys remember Aaron Rodgers connected with Jared Cook in the NFC Divisional game? That was a great on throw. On that sideline pass. But are Matt you Ryan's throw kidding to me? Julio was a that was better. also amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, like, nothing against Aaron Rodgers and Jared Cook. That was an amazing play. But we're talking about the NFC Divisional game versus Julian Edelman making one of the greatest catches in Super Bowl history in what became the greatest comeback of all time in the Super Bowl. Who votes for him? Who does vote for the ESPYs? It's the fans, right? It's a fan vote. I think it's the fans. I think it's a fan vote, right? I, I don't watch the ESPYs enough to know who votes, but who, I think it's up to the Who likes the Patriots besides New England? Yeah, but it should be objective. It should be like, all right, I'm looking at the play, not who so, made it. So, I'm sorry. I just missed, uh, I was looking something up. What was so, this category? Julie, so, this was best play. Best play. And Julian Edelman's catch in Super Bowl 51. Lost to what? Lost to Aaron Rodgers connecting with Jared Cook in the NFC. For the Hail Mary? No, 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 no. The sideline pass. The, the, side oh. the one where he threw it to Jared Cook on that gotcha. tight window as he was falling out. Of- Great play. Come on. Great now, play. Bro. I mean, but that really? Play, that play, that moment, you know, the, the circumstances surrounding it, it was part of that huge comeback. It just like it's in the Super Bowl. Like everything about that play was. Um, it, that's going to live forever instilled in the minds of Patriots fans. Like, that is one of those moments that it was just unforgettable seeing the fingertips underneath the football right. come loose and then grab it again inches off the ground. I that, mean, that's I, – I don't even care. That was a <laughs> like, David Tyree moment. No, that, that, okay, that, that was, was like a Ma- Cook one Malcolm wasn't. Butler interception moment. That's yeah. one of those flat – exactly. It's right up there with the Malcolm Butler interception in I terms of – I can't even remember if that un- one won. In terms of, like, unforgettable plays – that are just sort of burned into your memory. I, I mean, I remember every little detail of that catch by Julian Edelman. Because you've Edelman. seen it a thousand times. I How can, many times have you seen the Aaron Rodgers pass? No, that's what I mean. I can bear, and I, of course, I might be biased. I'm a Patriots fan, but how many Packers fans are, you know, going back to the highlight reel to watch that play? They didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. And that's why I Lame. think that's why I think the fans voted against the Patriots just because they are the New England Patriots. They don't like to see them win things. Agreed. Well, well the Patriots did win. <clears throat> excuse me, they did win best game for Super Bowl Fifty One. But I guess you could say that they co won it with the Falcons because even though the Falcons lost. It's best game, and right. it takes two to tango, and obviously one has to win and one has to lose, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a joint award that the Patriots accepted. It's like, hey, Falcons, we did it. We got best game. Do they have best comeback? Because hey, the Patriots would have. I don't think that's a category, but Oh, yeah. it should be. Yeah, it should be. There's always comebacks. Always There's comebacks. always something crazy to look at in a calendar year full of sports where you could say, oh, wow, like unbelievable I mean, that the they Cubs, came back from that. The Cubs came back from a deficit with the Cleveland Indians, right? Weren't they down 3-1 yeah. in their series? Yeah. I might be making that up, but for some reason I think they were down 3-1. I think it was 2-1 two, two, or 3-1, something like that. Most clutch performance you could give to the rain in Game 7? That yeah. was the greatest rain delay in MLB history. Most clutch rain delay ever for the Cubs. Absolutely. That totally sw- <laughs> I remember when that happened. <laughs> that was a while. I remember when that happened, too. I was like, this literally swung the momentum back in favor of the Cubs. Yeah. Because at that moment, that was just after Rajay Davis hit the game-tying home run. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because I was texting with my dad when that happened. And as Rajay Davis was coming into the box, he said, wouldn't it be hilarious if Rajay Davis just hits a home run here to tie it? And then it happened, and I was like, oh, my God, the Cubs are actually going to blow it again. Unbelievable. This is going to be... Moises Alou and Steve Bartman again, except you can't blame a fan for this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can blame yourself on yeah. it. So I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to blow this. And then the rain came, and I remember just I was at the Herald, and I turned over to a, a guy that was sitting next to me at the, at the Herald, and I said, you know what? This rain delay, he was a Cubs fan, by the way. This is going to save your team right now yeah. because this is going to give them a chance to regroup and they'll probably come back and score what will eventually be the game-winning runs. Well, the, the baseball gods wanted it to happen. And that's just, you know, the rain came and the Cubs won. So, I, best play, rain delay. A little, little bit of faith. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of faith. That's the best play. <laughs> so, just most clutch performance. Should have yeah. went to the rain. They, they should actually make a movie for the Cubs. I'm sure they will. Oh, well, they made Fever Pitch for the Red Sox, they but made that fever, was but prior making... to them actually winning. Right. Is Bill Murray going to star in the yeah, Cubs? Hey, why not? Speaking right? of Bill Murray, before we hit the break here, did you guys see the Bill Murray, Nick Offerman, David Ross thing? No, but that, that sounds was awesome. Cr- <laughs> no, it was cringeworthy. Really? really? It was surprising yeah. because you're talking about two hilarious comedians and one hilarious player. I mean, David Ross is a funny guy. Yeah. But it was just a bit that dragged on for way too long. Basically, when they were introducing, you know, uh, I forget what the category was. It might have been best team, best play, whatever. They were talking about the Cubs and them winning. And Nick Offerman and uh, Bill Murray, both huge Cubs fans, both from the north side of Chicago, just came out there and they were 
popping champagne and talking. The bit just flopped, though. Yeah. It wasn't funny, and that was sad. And then they brought David Ross out. He was pretending to be a janitor that just kind of accidentally entered on stage. He had yeah. his hood up, and then he t- like, took off his hood from his sweatshirt, and it revealed that he was David Ross. And he just went into this weird you know, dance thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but he started doing this weird dance. Yeah, so it's a stars. It, it was just it was cringeworthy though. It well, a lot funny. of the things that the Cubs have done since winning the World Series have honestly been cringeworthy. This you, was you like, remember when they were on SNL and they got up there with Rizzo and Ross and I forget was, who that else. That was kind and they, of the, uh, Dexter Fowler. Yeah, cheesy. and they started singing "Go Cubs Go" on yeah. the SNL set. That's not comedy. No. What are you doing? It's cheesy. Get off the stage. Well, if you guys it's look totally at this cheesy. when we go to commercial. I'll show you. It was just it was the weirdest thing. He was doing some kind of interpretive dance, David Ross. Well, because he performed in uh, Dancing with the Stars. That's, yeah, that's no, I get that. I get it's a throwback to his performance on Dancing with the Stars, but I, I don't even know totally how to describe lame. it. Basically, if you're listening right now, just YouTube it or don't, because it's going to be so cringeworthy. Don't do it. But it was just, it was terrible. And I, I didn't wouldn't. understand what they were doing. We'll watch it for you. Yeah, yeah. and then we'll, we'll come or back we and tell won't, you what we saw. And we'll never speak about it again. 603 <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Hayward is officially a Boston Celtic. He signed his deal yesterday. We'll get into that next one on the Sports Blast ESPN New Hampshire. Don't go anywhere. His team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. The moment I will never forget is when this drill instructor that I admire so much comes up to me straight in front of me, put her arm on my shoulder and said, good morning, Marine. PFC Summer Volkman became a Marine. Can you? Visit marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines. Life can hit you with the unexpected. The loss of a job, a sudden illness, a dramatic jump in your mortgage payment, leaving you feeling helpless, forcing you to make difficult decisions. If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, are worried about financial problems, or are afraid of foreclosure, it's time to take control. You don't have to lose your home. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling can help. Seek advice from our certified housing counselors today. Call us at 866-687-6322 or visit mortgagehelpnow.org. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Real solutions for real people. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling is a nonprofit organization that has been providing financial counseling and education for 60 years. Our national network of member agencies have helped millions of consumers with foreclosure prevention. NFCC member agencies are approved by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Red Sox beat the Yankees 5-4 on a walk-off walk last night. Yankees closer Araldis Chapman failed to record an out while protecting a one-run lead in the ninth. Chapman walked Andrew Benintendi with the bases loaded to give the Red Sox the win. Drew Pomeranz got the no decision after going six innings, allowing four runs on six hits. Four Red Sox had multiple hit games, including Hanley Ramirez, who hit a towering two-run homer off Yankee starter Jordan Montgomery. The Sox and Yankees will go again today with Chris Sale getting the ball. He'll take on Luis Severino. First pitch from Fenway is at 4.05. The Red Sox made headlines yesterday when they designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment, effectively ending his career in Boston. Sandoval is owed approximately $49 million. The Celtics officially signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract yesterday worth $128 million over four years. And according to the vertical, Rajon Rondo has just agreed to a one-year deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. Garbinier Muguruza defeated Venus Williams today in straight sets to win the women's Wimbledon final. And Roger Federer will take on Thomas Burdich in the men's final tomorrow. Those are your Sports Center updates. Be sure to listen live on ESPNNHradio.com as well as the ESPN Radio app. And as always, you can check us out on TuneIn. I'm Ashish Sharma. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues right now. Before we get into Gordon Hayward, who finally became a Celtic after like a week of waiting, 
while. It, it took a little while, but he's officially a Boston Celtic now. He signed a four-year max contract, $128 million. Yesterday had a introductory um, conference call with the media yesterday. Um, but before we get into that, Rajon Rondo, fourth team in four years. He's going to New Orleans, teaming back up with Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. Is that like a new big three, or is that going to just crash and burn? Oh, crash think? and burn right away. That's what happens when you get under team skin and not get along with the coach. If, if the coach rubs you off the wrong way, you're Rajon Rondo. Yeah. You got to stick it out. Yeah, but. but the thing is, Rajon Rondo had kind of a good relationship with um, Boogie, right? I mean, they, they were friends in Sacramento. Did he? There's a reason why they have a good relationship. Yeah, because they're both both two of the most hated players in the NBA. Stubborn players. Yeah. Well, You can't have two of them. It's hard to have one of those guys on your team. You're going to have two. Yeah. I think they had a pretty solid relationship, though. Oh, they they did. Okay, so now instead of everybody just hating Boogie Cousins or just hating Rajon Rondo, everyone else will hate the both of them together. Yeah. And they'll love each other, which will make everyone else hate them even more. Gigantic cancer in the locker room right there. Gigantic cancer. I mean, this just says a lot about Rajon Rondo. The fact that he's bounced around ever since leaving the Celtics from Dallas to Sacramento to Chicago to New Orleans. Four teams in four years. That's when you know... You're not loved. <laughs> Good for him. Let's let's talk about a team that matters. So Gordon Hayward, officially a Celtic, as I said, he had an introductory press conference or not a press conference, conference call with the media yesterday. And um It's about time. It's, it's kind of funny because we found out last night that the deal with Gordon Hayward and the Celtics almost didn't go through because he was upset that Chris Haynes had leaked the report that he was siding with Boston. He had to step away from it. And in the conference call, I have the transcript here, he said I was pretty upset that that had happened. I didn't feel like I was ready to say, yes, I want to be a Boston Celtic. So I just take a step back, and we regrouped, and I think we talked about it more and more, and then we finally put out the article on the Players' Tribune, right? So it was kind of like, oh, my God, they might screw this up because of this report from Chris Haynes that's saying, hey, he's chosen Boston. Can you imagine if that was enough for him to say, you know what, F you guys. I'm either going back to the Jazz or I like the heat. And I like the weather down there. Yeah, you, you would have had to blame the ESPN outlets for doing that. Um, Chris Haynes is a like, brand-new like mainstream reporter now um, with Adrian Wojnarowski and all those other guys out there. Um, I want to talk about the acquisition of Gordon Hayward as a whole. And, guys, I think it helps out the Celtics in an immense way. And the reason why I say that – is you look at Avery Bradley, right? He's a more of a defensive guard. In today's NBA, defense sometimes doesn't matter. I'm not saying it, it doesn't matter at all, but it, it doesn't matter sometimes. The reason why I say that, you have the Cleveland Cavaliers, you have the Golden State Warriors. What are they good at? They're good at efficiency, right? Shooting the basketball, you know, finding open players, great ball movement, rebounding, we get it. So with the Celtics moving forward, they're in a great spot because the Cleveland Cavaliers are kind of in limbo because they don't know if LeBron James is going to stay or go. And LeBron's kind of playing head games, and there's a reason why there's a reason why Chauncey Billups did not commit to that contract, and he knows something that we all don't know. And I think the reason why is because he doesn't know where LeBron's going to go. And I think he has some intel in regards to where LeBron wants to go. So that's, that's something to look at. But also, from a standpoint to say that LeBron, if he goes to L.A., the Celtics now have the East. And it's a beautiful thing to build around young players while having core guys that can shoot the ball efficient. Avery Bradley was a two-way player. He was up and down offensively. He averaged like 14, 15 points. Everybody thought he was like a great player. He was an average player offensively. Defensively, he got the job done. But you're bringing a guy like Gordon Hayward who shoots 47% from the field, 38% from three, 83 to 85 uh, free, three, free throw shooter. You're looking at a guy that can actually bring scoring to the table. Otherwise, you know, going out there with a guy that just runs pick and pop every time and just shoots the rock coming off of screens. This guy can create his own shot. And for them to lose out on Paul George... Jason Tatum is going to be a dominant uh, bona fide scorer He's in this league. He's it up right now in Summer League. Do the eye test with this the kid. Summer, uh, okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> no, but do... No, <laughs> hey, no, hold on. on. Hey, people are going over the moon about Lonzo Ball. Why can't I go over the moon about Jason Tatum? Uh, go ahead. Done? Hold on. I'm looking something <laughs> up. You, you two fodder, and I'm going to um, just... I'm finding something to yell at you for, Ashish. <laughs> if Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. Without a doubt. 
this guy had the knack, the ability to find his own, create his own shot, you know, rebound, block shots. He does it all, guys. He's going to be a scorer like Carmelo Anthony or Paul George. And I'm not saying that just because he's lighting it up in Summer League. I fully believe with his efficiency to create his own shot off of one, two dribbles with the step back, like Paul George and Paul Pierce esque. He has the knack to find the basket. That's the beauty of it. You can't teach that. You no, can't. no, and look, I, I'm not down on Tatum. I actually really did like the pick because I, you know, coming into the draft, you're hearing that he's probably the purest scorer coming out of that draft. I like that because I think it works with Brad Stevens' system. But the kid's 19 years old. Oh yeah, he's not going to come in here and make an impact right away. Oh, I think he will. You're well. I think, I think he will make an impact, but not the one that you needed in order to take over the position as top dog in the East. Well, he'll make. Yeah, you're, you're, I agree you're, with you're that. still make... not better than Cleveland because you didn't acquire Paul George. I I had said before this whole uh, free agency offseason started that the Celtics' plan and it was the right plan was to acquire two pieces because acquiring one piece does not put done. you over Cleveland, yeah. and it certainly doesn't get you over the Golden State Warriors if you somehow get past Cleveland with the roster that you currently have. I'm not saying Hayward doesn't make you. Uh, world's better. He does. It's great to have another guy besides Isaiah Thomas that's going to be able to create his own shot. If Tatum develops into that guy, great. But you're still looking at his peak is going to be, what, four or five years down the line? Sure, but this is phase one. Phase Phase one one is to get this team together. Phase two is wait out Cleveland. Phase one, they they didn't pull off what they wanted to for phase one, though. They wanted to acquire Paul George and Gordon Hayward. They failed. They've failed on multiple occasions to acquire guys that they've targeted in trade deals. They've failed on several occasions to acquire free agents, which it seems as though they're turning the corner in creating a destination location here in Boston because in the past two, you ended up signing the second-best free agent uh, last year in Al Horford. You didn't get Durant, which wasn't a shock to me. But you got Al Horford, and I think that that sort of paved the way for you to go ahead and acquire Gordon Hayward, who was the best free agent on the market, short of Blake Griffin or Curry, these guys that ended up staying where they were going to stay. I think you're a better team, but you're not in a different position than you were in last year. So, yeah, you're better on the court, but you're still going to finish in the same exact spot you did last year. Maybe you beat Cleveland one game this year. And I do like that they're building a young core. It, they did fail to do what they set out to do this offseason. I just don't want people to miss that point because I think people get over the hill about what Danny Ainge has done here as a GM, uh, as head of the Celtics, and really, uh, he's won one championship. I'm not satisfied with what Danny Ainge has done. I understand it's hard in this league to pull it off, but he hasn't necessarily pulled the trigger on all the deals that he's wanted to to create here for the Celtics. Right. Just to yell at you quickly, Ashish, about the Summer League and how it is utterly meaningless. I don't care what Lonzo Ball's doing. I don't care what Jason Tatum is doing. Can you tell me who Tyus Jones is? No, I can't. Tyus Jones, Duke. uh, Well, what team's he on right now? Minnesota. How about Kyle Anderson? Kyle Anderson, Spurs. Glenn Rice Jr. Glenn Rice Jr., Wizards. Jonas Valanciunas, who's actually pretty decent in the league right now. Toronto Raptors. Josh Shelby, Josh Shelby. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, Memphis okay, Grizzlies. Any of those players any good? good? Memphis Grizzlies. Are any right? are any of those players? Well, Valanciunas. Any is good? good? Valanciunas is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Top dogs in no, the NBA. You're you're right. You are right. Do you know what this list is? This these are all summer league rosters, right? No. No these top are, scorers. This is a list of the last five summer league MVPs. Summer league means squat. I never said it meant. I'm just look. I'm not saying the. You obviously have to take it with a grain of salt. I know yeah. that. I'm not getting over the moon about you, but I like what I've seen so far because this has been the first time that I've actually watched Jason Tatum. Sure. As you guys know, I don't watch a lot of college basketball. Just and, not into it. And it is better than him going out there in the summer league and sucking. Exactly. I get that. At the end of the day, I agree with you, Dave. You got to take the summer league with a grain of salt. You totally. can't be looking at it then for the same reason why I'm. I hate that ESPN and Sports Center are blowing up my Facebook news feed with Lonzo Ball this, Lonzo Ball that. It's like, right. dude, it's summer league, and I agree with that. Lavar did that too, by the way. Tyus Jones was the MVP right. last year. And, and but the thing is, just based on what I'm seeing in terms of what this cap- kid is capable of doing right now, 
and he hasn't even grown into what he's going to become because we're going to see that over the next three, four years. We're going to see that unfold. I hope. I like what I'm seeing so far in, what, the six games that they've played in Summer League or whatever it is? Sure. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, look, he's also going to be strapped for minutes. This team is pretty loaded when you look at well, it. Well, I mean, that's what we said about Jalen Brown. Well, but yeah, Jalen I mean, Brown got he some did. he got some serious minutes off the bench. But yeah, he needed Jay Crowder to he, get hurt. He well, needed, and he probably uh, needed, also Avery Bradley right. got hurt. I'm not saying it's going to stunt the development of these players either, but I mean, uh, there's a log jam in there. There is, and you've got a lot of lengthy forwards now. So I, I mean, I get that Brad Stevens sort of is preaching posi- po- positionless basketball, but I mean, you've got a lot of guys out there now that you. It, You've got veteran guys that you want out there in your starting five, and you've got a young core that you need to develop. So it's twofold here for the Celtics. You've you've got to win now and somehow not crunch down the minutes of these young guys so much to the point where you start stunting their development or their growth. You've got to make sure that these guys are playing because, for me, it's all about three or four years from now. You didn't get Paul George. If you had, sure. You could go all out this year with those with that starting five, and maybe you sort of shy away from giving the younger players more minutes. But you're not going to beat Cleveland this year. I, Give I the so. young guys minutes and, and a chance to really grow and develop a little more quickly, because maybe it's the difference of getting there in three years as opposed to four if you go ahead and give these guys the minutes that they need to develop. Now, I, I know LeBron is the king, and he always be the king, but... The, the Cavaliers have gotten worse, and their yeah. their bench has gotten worse. They lost their GM to like so, for some uh, reason. If not for there's just like, the dysfunction that's there, they've gotten worse. There's a lot of disconnect throughout that organization and, and franchise. So I, I look at the bigger picture here to say, okay, well, you have growth with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Gordon Hayward's going to be a nice little bridge gap if he signs another, you know, three or four years down the road. You know, when he's up for that full max contract, he can most certainly do so. Isaiah Thomas coming off the books, are you going to give him the dump trucks? I don't know if you are. Um, but I, I think you got to look at the bigger picture here because they can compete with the Golden State Warriors if these guys develop in the right way. And you'll have Tatum, Jalen Brown, Isaiah Thomas, and Gordon Hayward on the perimeter shooting threes. And that's, that's what's going to win you games is uh, scoring efficiency. Here's the thing. I don't think, at least in the next couple of years, you're going to compete with Golden State. But you can compete with Cleveland as early as this year. I'm not you saying can. you'll get by them. But at the end of the day, LeBron James has played in seven straight NBA Finals, guys. Okay, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, assuming that they're both still there. Kyrie will be. Kevin Love might not be. They've played in three straight. Okay, and going with LeBron, and I believe Kyrie too, they've played in some Olympics in between there too. Yeah. That's a lot of mileage, okay? And that's going to add up when they're making their run for another trip to the finals next year. Four straight for the Cavs, eight straight for LeBron. Right. So that that tires guys out. And wear that's going to give that oh, yeah. wear and tear. That's a lot of wear and tear. So that's going to open up an opportunity for the Celtics to go in there and kind of take advantage of that. Now, LeBron is obviously a, a physical specimen. He's a guy that, and, and I think, you know what, to his credit, he's kind of figured it out. I think he knows this. He's not stupid. He knows that, listen, I've got a lot of miles on me. I've played in seven straight NBA finals. I've had some Olympics thrown in there as well. So I need to kind of pick and choose my moments yeah, in I'll the just regular go to, season. I'll just go to L.A. Where I don't want to say, well, <laughs> but in the regular season, Mark, you remember yeah. this year and last year, he's kind of toned it down in terms of his intensity. Because he doesn't need to go off. He doesn't need to go 100%. Yeah. 60 to 65% of LeBron is better than 100% of most guys. And, and, I'm and he's not saying, kind of figured that out, and he kind of res- conserves some of that energy and reserves it for the postseason. So in that case, I'm giving him credit. But overall, when you look at the number of times LeBron has been to the finals in his career and the seventh street that he's been to, that's a lot of mileage, and that could play a major role in whether or not they get back next year, depending on how much of a fight the Celtics give them. Right, and to that point, I don't think he cares about the accolades anymore. I think he has what he want, wanted. So he's not playing for MVPs. He's not. So he's going to kind of like he's going to continue to do that, where he's kind of bringing down his intensity during the 82 game regular season, yeah. and saving it for the Gold, postseason. Golden State, Golden State, and whoever they face in the Eastern Conference Finals, which right. we're assuming will be the Celtics, well, which will be the Celtics. But my whole point is this: this disconnect for the Cleveland Cavaliers is huge. Is huge because moving forward, if LeBron keeps seeing more and more disconnect, he's going to go to LA. 
He's going to. I, I actually agree with you, Mark, that I don't think that LeBron is long for Cleveland beyond this season. So, yeah, the Celtics are in an envious position right now in the Eastern Conference. They absolutely are. And as much as I'm disappointed that they didn't pull the trigger on a Paul George deal, they still have all of those assets. You know, and maybe there's some more moves down the line where, you know, you're going to pick up role players here and there to help improve the roster this year. You know, just guys that are journeymen maybe coming through and then, you know, they're they're off the roster next year. This year doesn't mean anything to me, though. And that's the one thing that I'm a little disappointed about. You didn't get Paul George. This year is almost a bide your time and wait again until next offseason when you potentially have two picks in the top five of the NBA draft next year. That's a little bit disappointing to me, especially this year where you had the Celtics finish in first place in the East, and we all knew it was sort of like a fraudulent first place finish and that Cleveland was the better team. They had all the they had the big three, and they were going to beat the Celtics in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. It's disappointing to me that we're going into this year the same way. Just a little bit. Because I know they're in better shape next offseason than they even were in this offseason. Yeah, but, but we thought they were in great shape this offseason. This off and they still couldn't get above the Cleveland Cavaliers well, I mean, with the moves they made. Was Paul George worth the Brooklyn picks, though, for one year? I don't know. Not for one year. No. I don't know where that I don't know where that. that deal fell through, but if you believe some of the speculations, it came down to that Lakers pick, and the Celtics at the time weren't ready to deal the Lakers pick for Paul George. But at the that deadline. doesn't that doesn't mean that they weren't going to, but Indiana pulled the rug out from underneath them and mm-hmm. and ended up trading him to OKC before anyone thought they would. That, right. uh, now, Indiana, for what it's worth, probably did that deal way too soon, and they didn't get as much back in return as they would have for uh, from the Celtics. But that's what happened, right. you know. So you're you're kind of back to that whole notion that Danny Ainge seems to rub other GMs the wrong way by wanting to fleece them because he has too many assets. I'm sorry, Danny, but at some point, you're going to have to give up more than you want to make a deal. It's ne- It's never. It, especially now with the reputation that you have, it is never going to be that you completely, utterly win the deal for crying out loud. At some point, you have to give up a little more than you are willing to to pull off a deal that makes you better now. But there's, so, two, si- there's two sides of the story, Dave, because Pritchard, uh, Celtic offered an amazing deal at, at the trade deadline. Sure. And Pritchard said no. Because he was w- worried about the Pacers making a playoff push. And they, he said, nope, we want to go with Paul George. He's going to ride it through this season. Sure. And so that's, I don't no, blame, not, not I don't blame Ainge Pritchard, for missing out on Pritchard Paul George. took less than what the Celtics were offering. Yeah, okay, Indiana so yes, there's not a lot of blame there to be given to Danny Ainge on the surface. But there's something to the way that Danny Ainge conducts these offseasons that have absolutely, in my opinion, Rubbed all the other GMs in the league the wrong way. Too many assets. He's not going to fleece these guys anymore. And yes, he has more to offer than anyone else. So he's going to be asked for more than anyone else. And if Danny Ainge doesn't like it, he's never going to get a deal done because he doesn't want to give up more than what he wants to give up. In his mind, there's a certain value on all of these assets, and he doesn't want to give up more than he feels like he should. Guess what? At some point, in order to get over that hump, you have to give up more than you want. You might not win the deal. You might tie the deal. It doesn't matter as long as you don't lose the deal. At some point, you, you're just going to have to bite the bullet on one of these assets. you got to abandon the mentality that you have to just fleece guys all the time. Right. Right. And I don't think that that mentality has helped him to even pull off deals where he had the better package. How do you explain that unless it's just... Pritchard being, screw you. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I'm going to take less because I'm sick and tired of dealing with your nonsense. It's How a, much is it that? Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm I think, concerned uh, that that's a problem with Danny Ainge. I think, I think if Larry think Bird was still like there, that. they would have Paul George right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it's like that. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. And utilize, he did your, that. utilize I, your assets in the right I way. I do give him credit for that, but there's just that overlying notion for me that Danny just wants to fleece everyone in these deals. And at some point... He usually does. At some point, you got you got to take a step back and realize, 
you're not going to fool everyone. You just can't. Quick break here on the Sports Blast. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire. Manchester's local ESPN. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is Shaquille O'Neal. And the Shaquettes. Reminding you that anytime. Anytime! Is a good time. Good time! For the cooling, drying, fresh scent of gold bond powder spray. Like after the gym. Or a crowded elevator ride. Or golf. Or working with farm animals. Or a hard day's work. Like sports casting? You said it, ladies. Stay cool with Gold Bond Powder Spray. Stay cool with Gold Bond. Hi, I'm Anthony Munoz, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals. I was fortunate to have played left tackle for 13 years with the same team, twice in Super Bowls and 11 consecutive years in the Pro Bowl. I said fortunate, not lucky, because I maintain a good work ethic and plan for my good health. Working out regularly, I didn't take unnecessary risks. I also wore pads, helmet, and other protective equipment to keep me safe. I'm honored to help the Good Samaritan program and its desire to get soldiers, Marines, and civilians to help reduce mishaps. Team effort is another concept I use throughout my career. Teammates helping teammates will work. The lessons I've learned in my football career can be applied to traffic and off-duty safety. The right equipment like seat belts, helmets, and motorcycles, and high-risk activities and goggles or glasses will help reduce mishaps. Don't depend on luck to keep you alive. It's better to plan for your future and for your safety. It simply takes a momentary loss of attention to land you on the bench, sidelines, or worse. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Red Sox beat the Yankees 5-4 on a walk-off walk last night. Yankees closer Araldis Chapman failed to record an out while protecting a one-run lead in the ninth. Chapman walked Andrew Benintendi with the bases juice to give the Red Sox the win. Drew Pomeranz got the no decision after going six innings and allowing four runs on six hits. Four Red Sox recorded multiple hit games, including Hanley Ramirez, who hit a two-run homer off Yankees starter Jordan Montgomery. The Sox and Yankees will go again today with Chris Sale getting the ball. He'll be taking on Luis Severino. First pitch from Fenway is at 4.05. The Red Sox also made headlines yesterday when they designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment. That effectively ends his career in Boston. He is still owed $49 million, roughly. And the Celtics officially signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract yesterday worth $128 million over four years. And according to the vertical, Rajon Rondo has agreed to a one-year deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. Garbin Muguruza defeated Venus Williams today in straight sets to win the women's Wimbledon final. Roger Federer will face Thomas Burdich in the men's final tomorrow. Those are your Sports Center updates. Be sure to listen live on ESPNNHradio.com as well as the ESPN Radio app. And as always, you can check us out on TuneIn. I'm Ashish Sharma. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues right now.
should put it in Dave's contract that every time he produces, at some point during the show, he has to play Jump On It. Got it. He's got it. Just, it, should, it should be in your contract. I would play it coming back from every break if it seemed plausible. Yeah. You know? How can you not? I mean, it's a, it's a great way to come back uh, to a segment. You know? Got to do it. So as my, we, uh, my playlist is always a little different than from Brian's. when Brian produces. I've noticed that. I try and bring like in uh, some different music from uh, all areas. I was going to say, it's not the same thing every Sports week. Sports are for everyone. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's you got to bring in every demographic. Exactly. It's got people who like rap, people who like rock, people who are older, people who are younger. You got you to gotta have a variety. Everyone loves sports. Yeah. So this show is for everybody. Cool. That's so what we do here. We've got about... What we uh, do. Six or so minutes before we hit the top of the hour break. One thing that I brought up uh, during the commercial is we were talking about LeBron James potentially skipping town in Cleveland to go and join uh, the Los Angeles Lakers after next season. And I started thinking about it. I was like, well, why would he do that? Why would he go to the Western Conference, which is tougher, and in the process take less money Because it's not Cleveland. by leaving Cleveland? He's from there, Dave. Yeah. He's from Akron. Uh, so what? He's from if, Northwest Ohio. If you're or Northeast from, Ohio. If you're I'm not from... Sure. <laughs> if you're northeast, I think I gotta so. look it up. I'm not sure if it's northeast Ohio or northwest. I know it's in the north. I don't know. If you're from like the Siberian tundra, you're gonna go back there because it's your home? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's, Cleveland sucks. Yeah, uh, Akron is is problematic. Akron's uh, probably better than Cleveland. So I mean, come on now. Like, if, if he wants to go to LA, who's north- gonna blame him for that? Who's gonna be like, how could you leave Cleveland, LeBron? <laughs> come on! It's, nor- it's northeast. Cleveland it is, is northeast, such a yeah, nice just- place with many a tall building and, and great places to <laughs> eat scones. I don't know how many of our listeners are cartographers, <laughs> but just for you cartographers and just general geographer geography. Enthusiast. Just general. make up that word. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm a little. Yeah. It's, no, Ge- it's, geographer. Wait. Geographer. No, you said cartographer. It's no, yeah. Cartographer it's map, map, is, is map making. That's yeah. actually that's real. So yeah, yeah it's, nor- it's northeast. It's northeast Ohio. So I apologize for that. I feel a little stupid for saying that. But yeah, northeast Ohio. Cleveland is is like somewhere in Ohio. The underarm of American society. Let's be serious. Like that in Detroit. Nobody wants to. Be, I don't care if you're from there. He's he's now done his dues. Exactly. And from a basketball standpoint, I agree with you, Sheesh, but I think if he leaves for the Lakers, he's surrendering to the Warriors. And I'm looking at his entire career, what he's had, what he's made. Um, I don't think he can one-up his career anymore. I, I feel like he's he's won a lot of championships, and if he keeps going to the finals and lo- losing to the Golden State Warriors, it looks bad on him. Yeah, one of the so, – He'd go down as one of the greatest losers of all time. We talked about it with Brady. You know, it was this year. It was the difference between being uh, four and three and five and two. Like every time you go to one of these, yes, you give the guy credit for getting there. But if you lose enough of them, it's just difficult to look past a guy with a losing record, which LeBron is closing in on. Right? He's now been in seven. He's close. He's been an eight. He's been an eight. He's been an eight, and he's. Four and four? He's, no, he's won two with the Heat, one with the uh, almost at the Indians with is the he, Cavs. Is, is so he's three, three and five. Yeah, he's got, three a, losing, five. He's got a losing okay. record in the finals. So like, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, three and five, not not unsalvageable. If you get back there and you win maybe two more, you go five and five. Sorry, people he's, will look so at he's you played. So I, I wait. Hang on. He's played in. I'll have to look this up. He might be. Is he three and five? Uh, no, is that eight? Yeah, yeah. Or is he's, it seven? I think he's, he's three, three and five. No, this was his seventh straight. Is that and he, correct? And he played with one, uh, and he lost to the Spurs early in his career. Right. Right. So wow, yeah. Yes. Three and five. So he's in danger next year of, and probably will next year, be three and six well, in the that's, NBA that's, Finals. That's right. Marvin Lewis territory. And, uh, although Marvin Lewis has never won a playoff game. So yeah, not quite, that's but, totally different. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I just wanted to. It's <laughs> like a drag. I just like Lewis. crapping on Marvin Lewis every, any chance I get. Both from Ohio. And, and guys, the reason why I think that LeBron's really calling it quits. I'm not saying it from a basketball career standpoint, but the ability to go up against the um, Golden State Warriors is they got dominated, dominated in the finals. And what did they do this offseason? They didn't do squat. They haven't done squat. They they signed their bench guys back, okay, to get to the NBA to get to the NBA finals and lose again. They tried to get Paul George, that failed. And, and I, I, I they were yeah, conne- they exactly. were tied to Carmelo Anthony. That and doesn't look like it's happening. He's going to Houston most likely. But you pull the strings away, right? And that's when it becomes LeBron by the minute is thinking what do I want to do more personally in this basketball life that I'm living right now? And I think the next thing is, you know what? 
I want to go play for a team like the LA Lakers that has a strong basketball background where I don't have to face everyone. I don't have to face the media. I don't have to face the Hall of Fame when my number gets called because I have a losing record. You know, it, it could be at that point that he's three and five, right? It could be three and ten he goes. If he makes it to five more NBA titles, I mean five more NBA he goes to the West, that's finals. Not happening, I can tell you that much. Well, yeah, that's my point though. I think he's trying to, you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go three and nine or three and so, ten. So you're saying he would rather go to the West and lose along the way yes. than get there with Cleveland yes. and lose. He might without if, a doubt. If you recall, there were uh games at the end of the regular season this year where LeBron took the entire game off rather than playing a portion of the game. And why would that be? Because hmm. I think it was he wanted that average point total per yeah. game to stay above 30. Padding his stats. That's Padding his stats. That's actually not if a bad you, thought. Now, I look, agree. if you go and play five minutes in a game just because, you know, it's down the stretch in the season, you want to get some practice in, maybe you get 10 points, it impacts your average points per game. LeBron instead sat those games out. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think LeBron is a guy who's concerned with his statistics and how they look, you're wrong. You're already in mind. So I wouldn't doubt it all, Mark. If if there's something in the back of his head that says I'm already three and five, you know what? It's better to be three and five than three and six, three and seven, three and eight, or whatever it's going to end up being by the time the Golden State Warriors are done just dominating the rest of yeah, the league. This is sort of a bad example, but it's a better example than Marvin Lewis. He doesn't want to be regarded as like Jim Kelly. Right. Jim Kelly went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them. Right. LeBron, it's a bad uh, comparison because he actually won a few. He, he's got three. But overall, he's now becoming this guy where it's routinely get to the finals and lose, at, just like Jim Kelly would get to the Super Bowl and lose. Right. At this point, it's about his personal accolades and his beliefs. What? Where does he want to go? Where does he want to vacate? Like vacation? I feel like he wants to go to L.A. He has a house there. Might as well stay there, right? So in the end, it's only right for him to look at his basketball career as a whole and say, I don't want to diminish my career. If I keep losing to the Golden State Warriors, my Hall of Fame status is going to keep decreasing. Because if he goes 3-10 and 10 out of 13 NBA Finals, it's not a good look for him. And he delivered a championship to Cleveland, so there's not going to be any jersey burning this job. time, probably. He did his job. Players Tribune said it. All right, wrapping up our number two, it's the Sports Blast. Don't go anywhere.